listening to the Retro Reprise podcast in association with NerdyLegion.com. Here's your host, Adam S.L. Welcome to Retro Reprise. I am Adam S.L. And wow, I've had a tremendous, like, two or three weeks. I don't know when the last time it was that I actually was able to do a podcast. The reason why it took me so long is because I had a bunch of stuff happen. So we're going to get into that. But first, I want to talk about something that has been blowing up my Twitter. I hadn't had a chance to really talk about it or send out any tweets because I've been working on some other projects. So we're going to talk about some video game stuff uh, and really kind of big video game stuff, in my opinion. So we're going to just kick off with that and then we'll get into the rest of what's going on and why I hadn't been able to put that podcast out in a couple weeks. So I want to talk about the company Analog for just a second. Um, Analog is, uh, they're a company, I believe, out of England who uh, they make what I consider to be sort of high-end retro consoles. Uh, that's exactly what they are. So they have the uh, the NT Mini, which is a Nintendo Famicom console. It's got a Nintendo cartridge slot. It's got a Famicom cartridge slot. And from what I've understood, that they've basically had to like take old Nintendos and old Famicoms in order to build these units and stuff like that. They've got an aluminum body, so it's like... Uh, these are like kind of... If... I would say like if 2015 Apple were making retro game consoles, it would be analog. So they're they're really nice, real specific, but... Uh, so you have, the in, you have the NT Mini, which is a Nintendo. You have a Super NT, which is a Super Nintendo slash Super Famicom. And then they have a, uh, a, a Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis, which is the Mega ST... And then uh, just a couple of days ago, they announced the Analog Pocket, which this might be the one I end up going for. Uh, the other the other consoles I never went in for because I don't need them. Um, what's great about these consoles is that they use hardware. They're not using emulation. Um, a lot of even some of them, like the the NT Mini, they're actually using real parts from from these old consoles to to build these new high-end ones this one the analog pocket is is one that i just might have to go for so what what it basically is is uh it's a game boy game boy color and game boy advance console and i believe it's a synthesizer as well it, it you can uh you can make music with it this thing looks really cool. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember the the all the specs, but the screen's a bit bigger. But they've been able to get the ratio just right, so it it will look good. And it's going to be backlit. It's going to be a high end Game Boy essentially, and it's going to go for about two hundred dollars. Uh, now with some adapters, I believe you can play some some Lynx games, uh, some Atari Lynx, some Neo Geo Pocket games. You'll need an adapter to do those, but overall, this thing looks really slick. I, I and um, I'm jumping into this right away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this analog pocket looks super slick. This is something that I think, if I remember correctly, and I, I could be misremembering this because this isn't the first time a company's tried to come out with a Game Boy type. In fact, there's a lot of um, 
Chinese companies out there. I've actually got one. It's called the GB Boy Color, uh, which I actually use to play a lot of my Game Boy games with because it's a backlit screen. Uh, it, the screen is a bit smaller, and the aspect ratio isn't exactly there, but it's close enough to, to play it and not, you know, not be too weirded out by, by you know, kind of squishy characters or whatever. But um, And I enjoy that. I actually enjoy that console, but it is a cheap Chinese knockoff. It is not one of the one of these, which is going to be a, a really high-end, really slick uh, Game Boy system. So Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, backlit, big screen, uh, and it'll uh, have an optional dock that you can dock it and play on your television. And from what I've from what I've read, it will sync up with the uh, 8-bit Do uh, controllers. So you're going to have, like, the best Game Boy experience. Game Boy, to me, has always been that console that's that kind of is a little bit underrated. Um, people act like there's not really challenge to those games or anything like that. I, I'm here to tell you, yeah, there is. I love portable games. I love the Game Boy uh, series of stuff. And if I had more money and more time on my hands, I would probably get into like the the Neo Geo Pocket and things like that. But uh, the Analog Pocket, $200. It's going to be released in 2020. <sighs> this might be one that I go for, honestly, because I love, I love my Game Boy games. I really do. I don't know. I don't even know how many Game Boy games I have. Absolutely love them. I'm really excited about this. Um, oh, and what I was going to mention before is that, like I said, some other companies have been going after this concept, particularly the... It's also a synthesizer aspect of it. I believe Hyperkin, a couple years ago, had announced their version of a Game Boy uh, that was going to be able to do the same thing. Uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games. And it was going to have a synthesizer in it, and it was going to be an aluminum shell. That's what this is as well. It's an aluminum shell, I believe. It's it, it Like I said, this thing is really slick looking. It, it looks like a modern piece of technology you just want to have with you. Um, but I thought I remember seeing specs like that from Hyperkin a couple years back. So both Hyperkin... And uh, Retrobit, a couple of years ago, I, I believe at uh, CES, had announced their versions of Game Boys, Game Boy players, to be coming out. Um, now, I was really excited about them, and I remember actually uh, getting a hold of Retrobit, because they had made the announcement, they had set a date, they had physical devices that people were playing, and... Um, and on the the release date, nothing happened. Nothing came out. So I hit up um, I hit up Retrobit, who I've talked to before. They for some reason will answer me. I'm I'm just a pleb on the internet, but uh, I've talked with Retrobit a, a couple times about certain things. Um, and they they said that they weren't going to go forward with this Game Boy concept. And what they ended up doing was making a, a handheld that's got games built into it. And I think it's about thirty bucks. Uh, that one is released, but it ju- it it just didn't hit. It just didn't resonate with a lot of people like the Game Boy concept did. But they took the shell of what that Game Boy player was, and they made a you know sort of this pack-in game kind of handheld device that's got you know a bunch of the Mega Man games on it and whatnot. Uh, and then on the Hyperkin side, I haven't seen them follow up. And what's weird is that this concept from Hyperkin. Looks like it showed up in analog, um, which is really interesting because Hyperkin 
out of the three companies, I I use Retrobit a lot personally. I've got some Hyperkin products. I do have the Hyperkin Retron 5, which is it's an okay system. I do enjoy it. Um, it can be a little bit delicate, so I don't use it a whole lot, but I mostly use it for video capture. If I, if I need to get like a clean video signal for um, anything that I've been doing with any YouTube projects, and I haven't been doing those YouTube projects, so I haven't really been playing that console a whole lot. Um, but other stuff that Hyperkin's done, I've, I've played some of their controllers and whatnot, and I, I've, I enjoy the concepts that they come up with, but they don't always execute them as well. Whereas Hyperkin, or I'm sorry, whereas Retrobit, they have done the same kind of thing. They've come up with some interesting concepts, and I think they execute them a little bit better uh, in general. And with analog, this stuff is high end, and anybody that I've I, I I've not used any of their stuff because I can't really afford it, and I'd be I'd probably have to ship from the UK. I'm not. I really don't want to do that, but with this uh, analog pocket I just might have to. So, analog pocket, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, high-end aluminum body, sleek looking device. Uh I can't wait for this, honestly. I'm I'm really excited. I love my portable consoles, so I want to see this come out and uh with adapters you can play some other consoles as well. Uh I think Game Gear was in that list as as well, so Game Gear uh, don't quote me on that one. Uh, I know Atari Lynx was said for sure. I know Neo Geo Pocket was said for sure. So, uh, But that requires an adapter for those cartridges. But overall, I think that's a really cool concept. I think there's been a lot of people like myself who've been wanting to have a high-end Game Boy for a while uh, with a, a better pixel density and whatnot um, and be able to play these in a dark room, which you wouldn't be able to do on a Game Boy. So, yeah, analog... Um, the Analog Pocket. Analog been knocking it out of the park with a lot of their stuff uh, with their high-end consoles that play on modern-day televisions without any kind of upscaling needed or anything like that. So now they're going to have a Game Boy along with their list of stuff. And apparently this is going to be a limited edition kind of thing. They're not going to be doing a bunch of these. So if you want to get on this, they're going to be released in 2020. You may just have to jump on this one if you are a portable game player fan like myself. All right. As you guys know, I have been working on a film project for a while now. I've actually done a couple of my past episodes, my more recent episodes. I've been talking about it. And excitingly enough, I have started. It has officially launched. I have begun filming. And um, I can't tell you how happy I have been doing this project. It has been absolutely amazing, and it's, oddly enough, turning out exactly the way I want it to. Now, that's not to say that I haven't run into some issues, <laughs> uh, and that's also going to explain why I didn't have a podcast out last week, uh, and maybe I think the week before. I think I missed two weeks. I can't remember. So, uh, let's get into some of that, because this, this didn't come without any kind of uh, problems. <laughs> this this did come with, I believe I'm going to name this The Unexpected. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about The Unexpected. I'm going to talk about some things because it's not like there were no problems at all. But the end result of, of what I've been filming so far has turned out amazingly well. I've got a lot of positive feedback on, on some of the stuff that I've put together. And uh, 
this is a project that I am getting really, really hyped for the further in I get. And so uh, I can't really explain the feeling I've got right now just from doing the little bit of filming that I have. So let's uh, let's rewind back in time just a little bit. A couple weeks ago, now I had been planning the start of this. I, w- I would say probably about six months ago, I, I had this concept in my head. Oh, no, it wasn't six months ago. There was a couple things that kicked this off. Uh, but this idea of trying to talk to other collectors, people who collected other things, and um, that idea started about six months ago. And then from myself, I ended up um, ordering something. I've got a retro game that'll be coming in that I ordered a while ago. And it made me think about my own collection and it made me think about why uh, why I have these things. And that sparked an, an even bigger, you know, it added to that snowball of like me wanting to talk to other collectors and then me getting into like, wow, there's, there's a lot more to collecting than just the toys or in my case, video games or whatever it is people are collecting. There's, there's a real personal connection with these items that you have with these things that you possess. And I wanted to dive deeper into that. And this me ordering this particular game, which I still don't have yet, it's it's on its way. Um, me ordering that added to that uh, that concept, that idea of like I have this game coming in. I really want to play it. I'm really excited for it, but I have no place for it. I have no room to pl- to put it anywhere. And as of recently, I haven't had a whole lot of time to actually sit down and enjoy my games. Uh, it's probably been a good solid month since I've actually sat down and played video games. And that sort of concept, that idea, has really sparked my interest in doing this project. So I started planning this uh, several months ago. I started acquiring gear, cameras, microphones, and whatnot. Uh, and then I, I was getting to a point where I could finally lay down some some hard hard time. So uh, Dave from the 2BT podcast, as well as Michael, I'll be doing an interview with Michael as well. Uh, I, since I've known Dave for 20 plus years, uh, you know, I kind of, he was going to be my guinea pig and he was the first interview that I booked. I said, Hey dude, I, I need to, I really want to talk to you about your, your Star Wars collection um, and get into it. And, and he was cool with it. So we had uh, booked a time in the first first weekend in October, and I'm I'm getting ready. It's like I think it's like Thursday night. I've got my I've got all my batteries charged. The first thing I do whenever I get a camera or something like that, I go buy a bunch of extra batteries. I charge them up. I've got my uh, camera bag packed, and I'm ex- I'm getting hyped to go out there and do this shoot. And, uh, I, you know, I sent Dave a text. I'm like, Hey dude, um, we're going to be ready for, for Saturday. I expect it to be kind of a long day. I'm going to get there at 10 and it's probably going to be a long day of shooting. And he sends me a text back. He goes, uh, I'm not feeling good. Um, I'm, I've got a cold. My voice is not sounding great because you can come out and shoot B roll, but I'm not going to do the interview. And, uh, I was bummed. Like, I was like, oh no, no, not, oh, 
oh no. <laughs> I was not, I, I, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh, dude, dude, what's what's up? But it was also like, I, I just kind of like, it was sort of like a shot through my heart. I was just like, oh, no. Um, so, yeah, I went out there. I, I was like, okay, well, I'll still get the B-roll. We'll still, you know, I'll go out there and shoot what I can. And so I did. I went out and shot a bunch of B-roll, uh, got a bunch of, bunch of shots of his kitties, Leah and Luke, and... Um, we, we played around a little bit, you know, uh, I had Dave likes running camera on some stuff. And so I, I let him, I gave him over my, uh, my GoPro seven and he just went nuts and he got some really good footage, which I actually ended up using in some of these shots. And it was a good time. It was just good to kind of hang out and do these things. Uh, and, but I was still kind of, there's a part of me that was just sort of like really bummed out that I could not, uh, get the interview with Dave. Uh, and then the following week, so fast forward to the middle of the week, I've got the B roll, uh, Dave wanted to see a little bit of what the B roll would, would look like. So I made sort of like a, a quick little reel of some of the, the shots that, that we had taken over the weekend. And then I sent that to him and Michael on, I believe it was a Wednesday, the, the, the Wednesday after. And I open up my laptop to go and look at some footage and to record a podcast. I was actually going to come in to record a podcast as well. And I'm looking down, I, I open up my laptop and the trackpad is popped out of place. And I'm like, what's going on? And it's not responsive. The The trackpad's not, not moving. I, I run my finger across it and nothing's happening on screen. So I'm like, oh, great. And I, uh, I text my wife I said, hey, do you know if anything happened to my... This is an old MacBook Pro. I have a 2009 MacBook Pro that I do all my production on. Uh, it's not the latest and greatest. There's still, you know, there, things have changed since then, but it's still my production machine. It's still what I record this podcast on. Um, and so I, uh, I I text her because we're, we're going to rewind a little bit further. We're going to do another flashback here. Uh, a couple years ago, I... I've also got a Windows laptop that I use for other things, and um, there was one day I was working on it, and I see this trail of brown liquid flowing out from underneath it. I didn't know what it was. Like, I mean, it it was like the same color. The thing is, is like I've I've seen like capacitors blow, or I've seen capacitor fluid, which is the same kind of color brown, but capacitors usually have like a sticky brown fluid. I didn't know what this was. This was like runny brown fluid coming out from underneath my laptop and I freaked out. So I picked my laptop up and underneath my laptop, there's a complete perfect rectangular square or a rectangle of this brown liquid right where my laptop was sitting. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And my, the feet that my lap, the stuff's dripping off my, my, feet of my laptop and I'm like I'm worried that I've got some corrosive stuff on my hands and I'm I'm washing my hands off I'm wiping off the table I'm trying to wipe off the underneath of the laptop I'm turning it off I'm like what the hell is going on I text my wife and I'm like there's a bunch of brown stuff coming out of my laptop and I'm pretty savvy on laptops I'm pretty savvy on computers I don't know what this is this is scaring me I don't know if my batteries I don't know what's going on and my wife shoots back a text. She's like, 
Oh yeah, I spilled a coffee. I didn't think it went that far underneath your laptop. I was like, are you kidding me? You spilled a coffee on my laptop and you didn't tell me about it. So, <laughs> so the first thing I do when my uh, MacBook Pro, my 2009 MacBook Pro, has a problem because this is where all my production stuff is at. My trackpad's popped out. I'm like, and I knew she needed to use my computer for something uh, earlier on in the day. So the first thing I do is text her and I'm like, hey, did you notice any problem with my laptop? My trackpad's popped out and I don't know what's going on with it. And it's it, she's she's at work, so it takes her a while to respond. While she's doing that, I go and grab my tools and pop open my laptop. And the battery, which had long since died, had blown up and had pushed the trackpad up uh, through the through the actual um, aluminum body of the of the uh, of the computer. So she texts back, no, I haven't seen anything or done anything with your computer. I don't know what's going on. I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, I found the problem. And, uh, yep, my battery had... Uh, people got battery swelling. And, yeah, this didn't, like, technically blow up. But the housing that's in the battery ha- had been bulged out. And that's what was pushing on the trackpad. So I didn't really want to spend the money on a new battery, but I went and bought a new battery, got it replaced, put it back in the machine. Everything's working. I got the trackpad reseated so it works. So I'm back up to almost full capacity on my laptop here. Uh, And then uh, on top of that, while I was shooting B-roll way before I started shooting um, Dave's stuff, uh, I had I was uh, I decided that I wanted to kind of get my feet wet with filming and get some B-roll, some early B-roll of stuff that I figured I would need for the movie. And so there there was no reason for me not to get this stuff. And it gave me a chance to play with my cameras and settings and understand them a little bit better. And um, one of the things that I've been doing, or one of the things that I did, was I went out to go capture the sunrise. I woke up at the butt crack of dawn, got stuff ready. Uh, it was a great day for it uh, because there were some low-hanging clouds, there were some high-up clouds, and it was just it was going to be gorgeous. And uh, what I didn't take into consideration was the wind. I, I had two cameras set up, uh, one on a gimbal to do a panning shot, uh, and then one uh, with the GoPro on it, which was a lighter tripod. And um, the shot with the GoPro was it was going to look great i've i've got the footage from what i've been able to to salvage it looks really good the colors are fantastic on it um but while i was doing it i'm also on the back end of all of this stuff i'm also recording a journal uh so i've got another camera that is sort of like a um sort of like a a, it's a camera that you can do selfies with uh it it came out from samsung i believe in like 2013 it's not the best camera these days. Uh, it's like records in 720p. It's got its sensors not fantastic, so any kind of low light shooting, it gets grainy real quick. But it's a it's a good quick uh, camera that I can keep in my pocket, pop out, shoot something real real fast, and talk to the camera, and then put it back in my pocket and and move on with my day. So I've been recording with that for uh, the Patreon stuff for sort of 
documenting the documentary, uh, but I'm calling them journal entries. Uh, and so I'm, I've got those, I've got two cameras running time-lapse shots of a sunrise and I've got my camera bag open and I've been meaning to, you know, really get, do a deep dive into the gear that I'm using because all of this is being shot on a severe budget. And while I'm filming the journal piece, which, and I'm sitting right next to the camera, this big gust of wind comes up and blows my GoPro over, like right on top of my head. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> and it's really, it's, it's funny. It's just like you plan out all these things and then you run into problem after problem. So that was, that was like the first of it, the GoPro blowing over kind of ruining this great sunrise that you you can't really capture again. Like this is a moment in time. I, I didn't really think about it this way because you can always get up and get a sunrise, but this particular sunrise, which was per- very unique to the situation with, with low hanging clouds and high clouds and all of these colors coming out, you may have another day that's very similar to that, but how many Saturdays are you going to have where you have that kind of sunrise? It's not like I could take this footage and then go out and shoot Saturday or Sunday morning and get the same type of footage. The weather is never going to be the same. Um, so I was I was really bummed because that was such a fantastic looking sunrise. It was, but again, this was one of those things like, okay, well I've got at least two cameras covering it, so maybe I can blend the shots a little together. The other camera is actually a phone, so it doesn't look as fantastic, but that's the way life goes, man. That's just one of those things that happens. So yeah, the, uh, the camera blowing over was the first thing that happened. Uh, Dave being sick was the second thing that happened. My computer blowing up was the third thing that happened. Yeah. I've had some, I've had some trials (laughs) that have gone on when trying to film this. So I know I told those out at order, so hopefully you guys won't won't uh, <laughs> won't be too mad at me. But uh, anyway, moving on. Um, so I planned the next weekend after the 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 first weekend in October that I talked with Dave, and uh, we did the filming. We did the filming of B roll, and there was a couple of things that I really had a a, be- a lot better understanding of. Uh, so every time that I film, every time that I do something, there's always something that I learn or walk away from with, with some more interesting or, or more knowledge than what I had before. Uh, now I've always had an understanding of the rules that you need to be like, you need to have light. You need to have light in order to capture an image. Um, but filming the B roll taught me that, uh, despite the fact that I've got cameras that I can adjust ISOs on, which, um, that helps with your light levels in your camera. Um, I still did not have enough light in that room. And so while the week between waiting for, you know, waiting until the next Saturday that I can shoot, uh, I not only had to order a battery for my laptop, but I decided to order some soft boxes. I had talked about lighting before and I did take a lighting setup, which was a real poor man's lighting setup, but I needed to get some legit light with diffusion and something that could light a room and light a subject. And so I ended up buying a couple of soft boxes as well. So now I have pretty much a full film rig that I'm running around with. Um, I've got two soft box lights, um, 
I've got a another light that I can change color on. I want to try to add a splash of color here and there to some of the, the interviews. Yeah, that type of stuff. So uh, despite having to order a battery and finally ordering some lights, despite my, my hesitation to do so, uh, I finally got to Dave's interview. That has been... The, the interview went really well. Uh, it took a little bit longer than what I expected. Uh, it, it was another day where I showed up about like 10.30 or so. Uh, got some more B-roll with some more light involved with it. And then uh, we sat down and did Dave's interview. And I, I've got to be honest with you, it, it the interview was really good. Uh, we got into some some personal territory with Dave that really does show what somebody or why somebody collects. And that was the information that I really wanted to have. That was what I was looking for, was these little bits of personality in the collection. And, and that it was, it was exactly what I was looking for. Um, I had been lining up questions. I had been trying to come up with some sort of line of questioning for Dave. And I have, I have my little notebook that I take with me. Uh, and we, we went through about, I had about a page and a half of notes of just like questions and things like that. I wanted to ask Dave and, uh, we got through all of them and his answers were spectacular. Um, and he was a fantastic interviewee. And, uh, of course, as soon as I get home, the first thing I do is, is label my footage and then I start transcoding so I can get to editing. Uh, since this is the first time that I've taken on a project like this, I had no idea how many, how much space I was taking up. Uh, the interview alone, because I'm shooting on a, on a higher end camera, um, was I think like 30 gigs alone. So I'm going to have to quickly find a uh, <laughs> a storage solution uh, because I do have a couple terabyte drives, but but one is for archiving, so it doesn't move very fast, and the one that does is going to run out of space pretty quickly. But yeah, I got together, I threw together an edit uh, of Dave's interview that's about a half hour long. Uh, I've got a handful of people that I'm showing it to, to get some feedback. And all of the feedback that I've gotten from people has been absolutely tremendous. They, this is the first time that I've ever done a project, whether it's been music or, you know, podcast or anything. Video. This is the first time a video concept that I've come up with has really executed the way it's supposed to. And I have never had that happen before. So while I've had the problems of, yeah, a laptop blowing up, cameras blowing over, people being sick, um, the end result of what I've gotten so far is absolutely amazing and has turned out exactly, and that's what's so strange, exactly the way I've wanted it to. With a documentary, you do have to leave a lot of what I call breathing space. It's a living creature. As soon as you get started on something like this, somebody's going to give you an answer that you may not expect. Uh, or you're going to have to follow up with something that you didn't expect to follow up with. Um, and I'm perfectly okay with that. And and the, and like I said, there's things that change and you're going to run into problems as time moves on. And I've run into some problems. Um, but overall, I've been so happy with the end result. Now, this footage um, really is a preview for certain people so they can see where this concept is going. Um, it's been really hard to 
think of a concept, talk about it, and then actually have it start to show in a form that other people can see and other people can understand. Uh, and this finally did that. This like finally showed some people. I needed I needed to be able to have something tangible for people to watch and go, oh, that's what you're doing with it. Okay. And for the people who've finally seen it, um, they're like, oh, I get it. I get it now. And this this is going to be like a legit documentary. This is looking good. So I've got a lot of positive feedback from people. And I'm still really excited for the project. Um, I'm going to go out and do a site survey on uh, Michael's place so I can start getting notes together for the shots that I'm going to get together for his interview. And uh, I am just so excited to get to that. Uh, we'll get onto that, I think, next weekend. Overall, things have been turning out really well. And it's also helped guide me in a couple of different things. As far as trying to get some financial backing... Because I'm now at the point where before I was sort of like, well, it'd be nice if I could get some financial backing. Maybe I could do this or that. After seeing what I've done so far uh, and editing together the the interview, uh, Dave's interview ended up, once it was edited, turned out to be about a half hour long. So there's a half hour long cut. Obviously, that whole half hour is not going to be in the movie. Uh, I, I'm going to have to trim that down tremendously to kind of... Uh, give a general idea of, of the topics and, and the concepts that, that have been discussed in that interview. This is a good piece. This, this whole piece is good. Um, that, and so what I'm going to start doing is in addition to the journals and everything else, um, I am going to put long cuts of these interviews, pretty much the full interview intercut, with uh, B-roll and stuff like that, uh, these are going to go up on the Patreon. And it'll be worth your time to see these. So I'm still going to continue with the journal. I still have to film my journal stuff. Um, that's something I'm having to work around. Like That's got some stuff that I've got to do some workarounds with. But as far as some of the content, um, these full interviews are going to go up. Uh, and they're going to be available on Patreon and you'll be able to support it uh, that way. I've, I've got to cut. So what I'm what I'm thinking I'm going to have to end up doing is is cutting like a like a little promo for that interview, and then put the full interview on Patreon. And by people going to the Patreon and getting access to those videos, that will help me further uh, further advance the project. This is something that, uh, after seeing the first results, after seeing like, oh, this is what it can look like and this is what it's doing, I have more faith and more confidence in the project that I'm doing. Where before I was sort of like, this is a concept I want to do. Now it's like, okay, now that I've got it, this is actually going to be really good and it's going to look spectacular and it's going to communicate everything that it needs to communicate. Um, so I am where I, where before I was, of course I was on board before it was something I wanted to do, but now seeing how this is turning out, it's, it's got me more excited for it. And, um, I, my, my next few steps are, are to get the Patreon together, get a couple journal entries together 
and uh, still move forward with a bunch of other things. But uh, yeah, it's turned out fantastically well. Uh, I wish I could show you guys, uh, but uh, I, I'm going to have to hold on to it. <laughs> uh, but if you maybe are interested in seeing what things are turning out, or how things are turning out, um, I will cut a trailer version of it and throw it up on my YouTube. So you can go to uh, youtube.com slash retro reprise. It won't be out for a little bit because I've still got a ton of other work to do. Uh, but I, I plan on, I'm revamping my, uh, there's so many things that I've got to get lined up. I've got to revamp my YouTube channel. I'm about to take down all of my previous content and just concentrate on what this stuff is going to be. Uh, and then uh, I've got to work on the Patreon and then I'm thinking about working on a website so people know to go to like retroreprise.com to go there. Now, I'm still looking for people who are interested in talking about their collections. Particularly, I'm looking for someone who has either uh, gotten to a point where they've had to cut their collections off, like they've had to stop, sell off their things, and, and that type of stuff. Or I'm looking for somebody who uh, understands that they have a problem, and it's not... Uh, and and they're, they're trying to work through it. So I'm looking for somebody who's, who's had to sort of step away from their collections. If you are one of those people or you know one of those people, send me an email at retroreprise at protonmail.com. And uh, let me, uh, I want to talk to you. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I apologize for the past couple of weeks, but between filming uh, and what I've discovered with filming is that I need a day to shoot B-roll and I need a day to shoot interviews. Like, so having Dave be sick and break it up like that, if I were to do all that shooting in one day, I would have been exhausted and I don't think things would have turned out as well as they have. Uh, so when I am out filming, I will let you guys know, Hey, I'm going to be out filming for the movie. Um, I won't be able to do a podcast and I, I may spend a week or two doing that and then I'll come back and tell you guys about the experience. Uh, so that's something that, that may end up happening. I'm going to try to get some shows lined up so there's constant content coming through the podcast, uh, but I don't know how often that's going to happen. Uh, I've got some concepts. I've got some old Radcast episodes that Dave and I had done um, that I might put together and throw on here on days that I'm out filming and I can't get to the podcast. But yeah, there's just so many creative projects that are going on right now that um, I have to sort of prioritize uh, what's going on here and there. So uh, the podcast still is, is a huge priority. That's why this is the first thing I did as soon as I got my computer back <laughs> and and get some some movie stuff edited. Uh, but I'm not always I'm not always available to do the podcast side of it. So. Uh, I will be attempting to do that as much as possible, but as soon as I go out and shoot, as soon as I have the opportunity to talk to you guys, that's what I'm doing is it's like movie then podcast. So the podcast is high up there on the priority list. But again, thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, I am obviously you guys can probably tell I'm a little excited by the way I'm talking. It's actually, it just turned seven o'clock in the morning. I've, I've, I've actually been up. I was up at like five 30 this morning. And it's uh, 6.30, 7 o'clock now. It's 7 o'clock in the morning now, and I'm wrapping up a podcast. So, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I will see you next week. 
Retro Reprise is hosted and produced by Adam SL, published by nerdylegion.com. Visit youtube.com forward slash retro reprise. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at retro reprise. For business inquiries, email the show at retroreprisal at gmail.com.